some article on BuzzFeed about some person put a cat through there. The X-ray machine at the airport. What? And uh, all security so was like, freaked out. Like, you know, what is this animal? Yeah, it's like <laughs> just the guy just didn't think, just put it on. So, what would you say that I didn't realize it was in there? Or no, because in the US you can take your pets on. No, flight. yes, you can. Really? Yeah, if they're oh, small really? enough. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is so strange. Yeah. And they have knitting needles, but you can yeah. take it on radio. There's a whole new terrorist angle there. Yeah. Welcome to episode 17 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn, and with me as always is Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello. Um, and who did we interview today? Well, we had um, Rich Davy on today. Um, he's the newly appointed design director for Le Prefero. And it was fascinating. I, I feel like I gave him a really hard time. Oh, yeah? Because I feel, I feel like he's a guy that just knows so much stuff, and I get really, <laughs> really obsessed about, like, I want to know that, I want to know that. You enjoyed his travelling stories. I did, yeah. He, well, he, he sort of took us through his a bit of his career, how it kind of went London, New York, Australia, mm. Australia first as well, and, and kind of also where he's thinking of going next. Mm. And I think what really strikes me about Rich is this kind of almost... Um, well, you know, his his whole job is kind of to transform businesses, and the right. kind of, you know, the, I think digital transformation is, is is how they talk about it, and and he also it's very much about that doing doing that to himself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he told a story about how he didn't understand e-business, so then he went and got a job at, at an e-business place and completely learned e-business, mm-hmm. and, and I was kind of laughing because it kind of remind me of like Neo from the Matrix or something you know? right and like I know Kung Fu now and then he was off onto the next thing um, that's so, perfect yeah well I was happy that we got to start talking a little bit more about UX um, and a little bit about sort of seeding people into companies as well And yeah which is an interesting so um, that's that's the whole thing that I keep on hearing more about and this whole different ways of I guess working for clients mm. you know everything from seeding to you know, working on retainers and all that. So, yeah, Rich had a lot of really interesting stuff to say about um, about the seeding kind of process and about how he went through that as well. Cool. Let's jump in. All right. Enjoy. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, like, how um, UX is kind of seen as, like, this new discipline right. in, in Australia. I think UX is design mm. design is problem solving that's what UX is it's just it's problem solving before you get to kind of like the, the design problem. polish that we all fall in love with yeah. um, it's true problem solving it's understanding the business needs most importantly and understanding the customer needs and for me visual design or digital design or graphic design it's kind of like the bridge between the marketing client and the UX it's kind of like the between the needs and the wants, you know, clients or they they want they want stuff. They want to have a beautiful site. They want to have a beautiful brand. Um, whereas UX really understands who needs this and what do, does that customer need to get from that site. Mm. And that's I think really kind of like the basic understanding of what mm. UX is. So I'm going to use that next time. Yeah, nice. yeah. <laughs> and it kind of covers like you know a whole 
range of facets. So you've got interactive design, service design, product design, human-centered design, which is like what IDEO yeah, are yeah, all yeah. about. So you'd put service design within UX? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it's interesting. At Deloitte, they did. Mm. Um, they put really them um, alongside. And I think it's also, you know, it's about them really understanding how do we help this business achieve or solve these problems. It's, it's interesting as a digital designer because my background is graphic design. Working with UX, it, um, I never actually worked with UX designer until about 2008. And I've just been doing all the UX myself, which was problem solving yeah. and sketching out wireframes and sketching out, you know. Yeah. But then I got introduced to this UX designer, this one agency I was freelancing at. And I was like, oh my God, you do like half my job. <laughs> <laughs> and I can now just focus on creating beautiful layouts. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but because I have those skills, um, that allows me as a design director to work across both UX and design yeah. to understand. Okay, what are the problem? What is the problem we're trying to solve here? And then actually look at how we're going to emotionally solve that problem through visual design. Do you, and do you think UX is still misunderstood in Australia? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not so much um, as when I first arrived. Um, you know, I worked at one agency when I arrived where they had um, visual designer who doubled up as a UX designer, and I felt like that was a real I don't think they, you know, you don't have enough time to actually think through a problem. You can't do the problem as as a visual designer would. You know, like you think about the layout more than actually understanding what the needs are. Yeah, yeah. And so UX for me is not so much wireframing because I think that's what a lot of people think of UX when they think of wireframing. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more than that. Is you know, going out and doing customer research, developing personas, doing all this prototype testing, even before you even get into creating high fidelity. Wireframes. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, some of the projects I've worked on, UX goes on for about six months before even visual design even starts. Right, right. And I think, you know, that's sometimes missed by agencies because uh, there's bringing a UX designer in for like a couple of weeks and it's like, yeah, this is some wireframes. And then we'll solve all the problems. It's like, no, that actually all the problem solving is happening with you. UX or the majority of problem solving is happening in UX. I think it's really important. Like, you know, if you're creating a product, you need to know who your customer is. Yep. What does this customer need from your product? If you don't get that right, your product's going to fail. Yeah, it's just as important as what the brand looks like. Um, and how does I mean, especially when it, you start talking about innovation, that sort of stuff, and you know, you're talking about what what we need um, when you know, like we look at the iPad or Henry Ford with yeah his faster horse kind of thing. You know that. What, what about when innovation comes into the into the play? Because you know sometimes the customer doesn't know what they need because mm. they don't know it exists yet. Mm. I don't think Apple would have launched like the iPhone without doing a lot of research and understanding mm. what do people need that they don't have right now. Um, you know, and I think you can kind of compare them to you know like Nokia. At the same time, it was they were, they were like the market leaders when the iPhone mm. came out. And they weren't doing that. They were just giving people what they wanted now, right, rather mm-hmm. than actually thinking about what their future needs would be. Because, like, you know, if you can create a screen, then you can maybe put, like, a little computer in there, you can create an email. Um, BlackBerry was doing all that, but it was still quite clunky and yeah. a hard interface, and there was, like, all these sort of red tape that you had to go through to kind of send your email out. And um, 
Yeah, I remember when I was uh, working in London, I was like, I'm going to get myself a Blackberry. This is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, like, so I went to, like, uh, the O2 shop, bought myself a BlackBerry, went back, installed it, and I was like, you need a business enterprise account. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? And they're like, oh, it's 600 pounds. I'm like, what? All I want to do is just get email on my phone. <laughs> you know, so then I had to return the phone, and then like about six months later, the iPhone came out. Yeah. I was like, there you go, perfect. Yeah. That's what I needed. I needed just a personal communication mm-hmm. uh, across multiple um, facets. We were talking about before, you know, this idea of, the digital future crossroads mm-hmm. all, all that sort of stuff and you were saying one of the big things that you think is out of out of the conversation is this kind of idea of the startup mm. well I think startups are you know um, are basically disruptors you know mm-hmm. in our space right now so people are leaving startups you have startups that are really focused on products which agencies would have in the past been servicing mm. um, and yeah I think the way that startups are now kind of encompassing so many different disciplines like I think everyone is now kind of a bit digital savvy mm. so you don't need to be totally focused on that career to actually be involved in a, a startup mm. I think it's really exciting because I think it kind of gives you a, a dawn of what is yet to come in the future for us mm-hmm. where everyone is doing business online and everyone is creating things online and it's the kind of maker maker economy yeah the maker economy is coming yeah. back you know whereas the industrial revolution kind of destroyed that a bit yeah but like now you have people who are enabled by digital to create their own products like you know the whole sort of hipster movement in the US and mm. certainly here how people are making an income especially industrial designers where like that used to be like a kind of dying industry for a while and now you see like all these you know kickstarters like this sort of I was going to say kickstarter like there's something yeah. every week that I go oh my god that's really yeah. interesting and they're all the industrial designers mm. you know and they're now making fortunes mm. which is great that's for me that's so exciting about digital I mean it's just enabler so how can I mean there's, obs- there's obviously you know the idea that someone small startup can make a few mistakes and, and it's not going to kind of hurt them too much. Obviously, the big, the big places really worry about that kind of big mess up. Mm. Um, they didn't go anywhere, but they learned a lot. Mm. Um, what, what can the big places do to kind of be a bit more innovative? I guess. Well, I think big the big places, the big agencies, are trying to copy what startups can do really successfully, which is the agile methodology. Yeah, but it's very hard because you have. Um, you know other outside factors that you often have to answer to as a big agency whereas with a startup you you can sort of have like these sprint cycles and just look to achieve X number of targets I mean definitely like the um, software development side of things they do it really well because mm-hmm. clients understand that they're just focusing on a set number of deliverables but when you're working with clients that are big age big age oh like marketing companies or yeah. they want to see a whole bunch of stuff and they want to see it kind of finished whereas that kind of contradicts what Agile is which is like you do certain things and then you check it out and then reflect, reflect yeah. and revise and then go go forward and you keep kind of iterating whereas you know the kind of the big waterfall approach was all about big deliverables yep. everything got signed off and you just moved forward and you got the paycheck 
so, big reveal. Yeah, the big reveal, Thank which doesn't really work that well with Agile in terms of payment. No. It's very hard for agencies to adopt that model. Well, this is, I mean, when we did our live event, that was kind of what we were, were talking about a little bit. Mm. There is all these new models sort of appearing. I mean, mm. the whole, I mean, the one that really interests me, but I don't know whether it's a good idea, but the whole idea of seeding employees in, in clients. Yeah. Which, which is really interesting, but also a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> have you, have the, you the done culture, any of that? Yeah, guys. yeah. Um, so I worked with Deloitte Digital, mm. and that was one of their primary uh, ways of doing business was that they had a whole bunch of uh, consultants. So I was a consultant, and I went and worked in-house at, a, at um, some of their clients. Um, and... Yeah, so and it would be a whole team of us. So we kind of be like this expert crack squad that would go in, yeah. and <laughs> well, so yeah, same yeah, 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 and everyone can't kind of look at you and all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you'd be there for like you know th- three months and walk away with delivering a project that that company, because of the internal processes, might not have been able to do in that short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what, what about culture? I mean, that's a big thing everyone talks about. Mm. It's like it's hard to retain a culture of a studio if you've got all these people seated in different places yeah I think it's, it is very hard I mean to look to minimise that um, cultural uh, loss of culture by getting everyone back into the office uh, twice a week so and also right. organising breakfasts and lunches and you know team events and things like that yeah, yeah so yeah. it's not like you just go off and get lost see ya yeah <laughs> and then you come back you know, six months later and people are like well, everyone's left, and or everyone's <laughs> come and gone, or you know. Um, it reminds it, me of that sort of Cold War spy thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sleep, <laughs> what, what have you learned? <laughs> what have you learned in your time away? Yeah. Um, which you know, I guess, like that is one of the benefits, actually, though, um, as being farmed out to or being a consultant to uh, a bigger company or to a client, so that you actually learn about a lot of problems that they're having internally, which you might not be privy to if you worked back at, a, at an agency. Yep. Just just in the boardroom. Yeah, sort of stuff. and you actually get invited into a lot of internal meetings and you, you actually help them move forward and mm-hmm. then you get introduced to like the board level. That's what Deloitte does very well. They really have good relationships with the C-level mm-hmm. and so it's a great experience for anyone who's a consultant because you get exposed to that those decisions at that level rather than actually starting off the junior marketing manager level. You have yep. to then work five or six levels up Mm. Yeah. So, what about you now? Can you talk about? Yeah, sure. What you're doing? Yeah. Um, so right now, I'm uh, a design director um, at Low Prefero here in Surrey Hills. Um, so I'm working on a um, digital transformation piece um, for a big retail client who I can't name <laughs> um, but they're launching a big uh, shopping centre down in Victoria we, uh, can we do the beep one day what do you mean just beep over the top yeah, so someone actually says something and then we can do the beep we can we can actually beep it maybe, into maybe it I sound can just like we're just swearing the yeah. entire time <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll just do my own, my own beep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah no, it's, been, it's a great opportunity it's um, doing an entire digital ecosystem for this shopping centre down in Victoria and it's through all the digital touch points so um, was obviously a responsive website desktop through to mobile this actual um, mobile wayfinding app and also all the digital kiosk touchscreen kiosk 
um, right, things, okay. things throughout the uh, centre. So that for me is a very exciting project because it's multiple multiple touch points that I'm actually in charge of designing. Mm. Um, and it's yeah, so it's a, it's a big team. It's about fifteen of us working on this, um, and it split out into three different teams. So is it? I mean, it's, I guess it's hard if we can't find out too much. But mm. are you preparing for the zombie apocalypse? Because there's always a shopping mall. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's very funny because that. Um, so, without going too much into it, this shopping centre is actually redefining what the shopping centre should be. Um, because in America, they have not actually built a mall that we actually see which is the West, Westfield Mall yeah yep. they haven't built any of those um, since like 1996 oh, really? and there's like 400 of them which are vacant throughout the US oh. and they're kind of like the zombie apocalypse <coughs> yeah. uh, look and well that's that's where you gotta hide if, if you're if the zombie apocalypse well, does yeah now now I know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah you can't eat anything it's all off Oh. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That's especially if they're vacant anyway we're yeah. off the topic <laughs> um, so what's, what they're looking to do is um, create what America is now creating which they call lifestyle centres which means it's kind of got like a big park or restaurant yeah. eating area town centre in the, in the middle like, uh, like what you would find in Europe in towns you have a big yeah. piazza then from that you have your restaurants and then from that you have your shops so it's kind of like a different way of experiencing shopping and I don't even call it shopping. It's just a place to uh, congregate and to hang out and to for the community to um, have a place to socialise. Is, it, is that is that a double-edged sword in the sense because obviously if they're just they're socialising and not buying, then suddenly um, I think no one ever goes to a place and not buys right. like in our consumerist world, right? So you know you would you would go and hang out at the restaurant. You would go and. Um, you go to the movies. Yeah. You go to the cafe. So there's always some money that's being made. But I think it's more about um, d- helping that community, uh, which is, goes back to like the original idea of what the mall was. I was I've forgotten the guy's name. He was yep. this Austrian guy, yeah. and he created the mall concept in in America um, after fleeing Europe. And he saw that the suburban sprawl had no town centre. And so the mall was a, was a response to that, and he kind of died, I think, quite a destroyed man because it became a sort of consumerist focused mm-hmm. right. and area. So they, they all started moving out of towns as well. So they had the kind of they'd move out into this sort of trade area because it was cheaper rents and all that right. sort of stuff. And right, and then the sport just expands yeah. with it, right? Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting project because it's something new, um, mm-hmm. something different for Australia, and something that's been seen as a success overseas. Um, is, it, is it? I mean, this whole plan thing. I, I don't know. I saw on the news they've got this whole idea for a planned sort of community within Penrith, and they're going to mm-hmm. try and re-innovate um, Penrith by kind of planning the community, and, and and it just felt a little bit like, oh, there's your token park. Mm. And there's your token kind of like area where you could have a like a music gig or something like that. Yeah, right. It just felt a little bit like are, are people really? If we just have a whole bunch of those all, all around the country, is that mm. really going to? But I mean, it's, it, have you heard about Greater Springfield? No. Oh, this is the most amazing thing. So this is a completely planned community right. that's in Queensland. Uh-huh. So little town of Springfield, now called Greater Springfield. 
but like completely planned and like look look it up online because it was when I got told about it I was like no that doesn't exist <laughs> and then I looked it up and it's just it's literally they 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 choose things to come in but they've also planned down to the workday so they I think they and and excuse me anyone in Greater Springfield if this is not correct com- completely correct but I think they work from nine till eleven right and then they're not allowed to work for a couple of hours I have to go and do exercise and that sort of stuff. Uh, this is, is this based off like the Blue Zones project? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So actually that's weird because I was working for the agency in um, US, uh, uh, Asaba in right. New York, and we were working with them with the Blue Zones project and helping um, them launch in the US yep. and creating these Blue Zones um, digital ecosystems for people to kind of, you know, socialize and create tasks and... Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is what, exactly yeah. what it is. So, mm. what's the Blue Zones project? I'm asking for a friend. I know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, the Blue Zones project is. Um, I have to stretch my memory back uh, five, six years. Um, it's based off um, these. This guy. Uh, it's based off this guy <laughs> who travelled around the world, who uh, studied all these civilizations that had um, a really good, healthy. Um, Long, 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 long longevity, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So he went to like Okinawa um, and uh, like other places, about six different places, and he studied these these communities and looked at what made them like that, like you know, mm. as you know, a combination of diet, exercise, uh, community aspect, you know, people mm. looking after each yeah. other, all those sort of things. And they he created this report, and so this report's now kind of being put into um, case studies and applied to the real world where communities are actually signing up because they want to work together to increase their lifespan. Right. And I guess this probably also includes quality of life. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's cool. So Australia has its own now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greater Springfield. Which is a very American name. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I thought it was going to be in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. So it's just outside of Brisbane. Yeah. So, um, but going back, going back to projects, I mean, you've, you've mm. worked in with like a whole bunch of digital agencies, but you just mentioned New York yep. as well. And something I wanted to touch on while we have you is your transition, because you, you were London, New York, and then and then Sydney, so that must have been pretty interesting. Yeah, well, I started off here in Sydney, yeah. so I went to university up in Newcastle um, oh, did you, right. for, for four years. Um, I've got a really weird accent. Um, <laughs> I was born in South Africa, and then my family immigrated over here when I was eight. And then I lived in Sydney, and then as soon as I could... I left Sydney. I went to Newcastle, mm. and um, how, so how did the family take it? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> except for my mom, I think on the first weekend she uh, they, they came up to visit me, and I shaved my head completely. Uh, and she was like, "What have you done?" It's, it's, it's how they do it in Newcastle. Yeah, it's just like you know, breaking free. Yeah, and then I went through like I was like you know late nineties where we all dyeing our hair blonde and blue and all that sort of thing. Um, I think all designers had different hair colours and different cuts. Still, still black though, like black clothes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Different hats, so <laughs> weird hats. Um, yeah. Um, so after studying there, I went back to Sydney and worked here for about three years and saved up enough money, like. Halfway through uni, I was like, yeah, I want to go to London. I want to just go and travel the world. Um, I want to go and see what it's like to live in London, such a mecca for design. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I could, as soon as I saved up enough money, I packed my bags and 
went and I said I'll be back in one year two years and I spent six years there wow um, and yeah which was um, not the plan as well like I went there with um, some introductions to some companies um, got a job pretty quickly um, just through networking actually by working with someone who was English in Sydney and she went back a few months before I did and she got me a job there but like you know I had a real sort of um, awakening moment you know within three months I'd lost my job um, because they you know uh, said I was not good enough um, really? which was which was fine I mean I was like you know, a junior going over yeah. thinking I was going to conquer the design world <laughs> And, uh, you know, spent all my money going to pubs and yeah. hanging up with the scene designers and Sorry, thinking it was all great. Idea. And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me because, you know, I went home that night and I just went, my God, I don't have enough money to even fly home. Yeah. What am I going to do? And I jumped onto a site called freelancers.net and registered as a freelancer. And I started my business out of my bedroom the next morning. And I built it up into, yeah, my own small business over five years um by the time i left i was i'd merged with another australian guy and i was creative director of the studio with 10 designers wow. and um yeah so I sort of lived my london dream in terms of putting up uh, a design business within london that's amazing did, no, but did, did you ever steal a job from the company that told you right no of course not <laughs> no no this is on the record isn't it? <laughs> um no um yeah, no, yeah, it was interesting to, you know, when you, I think that's kind of like goes back to that startup conversation we had. You know, when you're a small freelancer by yourself, you kind of cater for different type of clientele than an agency will. Yeah. But then towards the end, I was actually working for UK government on, you know, through introduction. I was running, you that's know, amazing. doing all the rebranding of this one department and doing all their email newsletters and whatever needed to be done, I was doing. Um, so, so what, what were you then? Like, what, what was your main area that you... I did everything. So, like, you know, I've always been in love with digital, mm. but my education at, at Newcastle University was um, print and, you know, branding as well. So I was, you know, doing a whole bunch of different projects and whatever would uh, come in. And I literally never had to go out and find work. It was all just word of mouth, which was amazing wow. in London to, you know, build that business up that way. Mm. I mean, all these known. students listening to this going, right, I'm off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it certainly hasn't worked for a lot of people as well. It's just luck as well. But you make your own luck. I mean, you had to work very hard for those five years. Um, you know, one day I want to go back to Europe and actually live in Europe and actually enjoy Europe because I never actually got to travel much because I was actually working seven days a week, working yeah. long hours. Um, but, you know, totally in love with design, you know. So it was a great experience. And then, yeah, towards the end, I was like, you know, I'm pretty much done with this weather here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle it. And, uh, you know, I got my um, UK ancestry... Oh, sorry, UK um, citizenship. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I got that, I was on the plane. Um, so, so the New York then? Yeah. So literally going to a job or taking your company to New York? No, no, no. I just um, packed up shop um, and... How, but how, how, how did that come about? Like, how, what, what was the decision? You obviously had a business that was doing quite well. Well, yeah, so um, I left that business about six months before, nine months before. I started freelancing to some of the bigger agencies and, uh, in London 
just to get that experience because I've been running my own yep. thing. But actually, what is it like to work for some of the UK's biggest brands and work with yep. some of the UK's biggest agencies? And that was awesome. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, um, I think I picked up a lot of skills by running my own business about being self-proficient and, um, you know, timekeeping and, you know, over-delivering on, on things. Yeah. And, yeah, so everyone's like, oh, pretty much offered jobs all the way through. Like, no, don't, don't leave. We, do you want to be a full-time designer here? I'm like, no, no, I want you to go. <laughs> and I think, like, you know, um, I was pretty much done after six years I was like yeah I'm pretty much done with living in the UK mm. <coughs> and you know obviously the natural step is to come back to Australia but I went across to New York for a Christmas break with some mates and I ended up the plan was there to be two weeks we rented, we, we rented a, an apartment in Lower East Side in Manhattan and after two weeks I was like you guys go I'm staying for another two weeks and I went, rented like another apartment in Brooklyn and just like fell in love with the city, oh, and Brooklyn's I was like, amazing. "Yeah, it was just great." Um, and you know, by the time I left after four weeks, I already planned, booked my flight to to move across hmm. um, in three months' time. Um, so yeah, I just moved across, and you know, I just networked. I mean, I've always found jobs through networking, um, and yeah, so um, I just I just spread out this email to everyone. I got interview a big spaceship, which was. Oh wow! Um, cool. Which was amazing. Like you know, um, I was like driving a car at the time, and they rang up, and I was like almost like crashed the car. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> can't believe you're calling me up, and uh, and uh, yeah, I went for an interview there, and um, it was pretty much like one of the interviews where I've been to where I was like halfway through, I was like, I'm not getting this job um, <laughs> because like they're just like such gurus at what they yeah. do. They wanted a designer who could do all the normal things, but also 3D Studio Max and code totaling action script yeah. um, be a complete expert in a lot of fields and, I was, and they were like so you've done this and this and this and I was like yeah I directed that and I I directed that and they were like oh so you didn't develop that and I was like no and I was like I don't have this job do I and they were like no <laughs> which was fine I was like well you know before I leave can you just show me um, the studio because I'm such a big fan so like they took me around and you know it was, awesome. it, was a, it was a fun New York experience. My first job interview in New York was was there. Big spaceships are big, cool though. I mean, oh, massive, most incredible yeah. companies. Yeah, yeah, around. yeah. yeah. I mean, what year was that in as well? Two thousand nine. Right. Mm. So they were still they were pretty big by then. As mm. Well. Mm. A lot of notoriety. Well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, um, I've been following them for years, mm. and I was just like, what opportunity just to go in? Mm. But it's so funny, like just walking out, so like this woman walking two pigs. Down, down the road <laughs> you know and just like oh man this is New York I just love it you know where are you going to find someone walking two pigs yeah. on a lunch break um, so yeah then I I just uh, I managed to pick up a job um, at uh, an e-commerce design agency which um, you know I was really pumped about um, because that was an opportunity to learn about e-commerce in the capital of consumerism mm -hmm. and you know where else better to learn about that and also just like the scale and budgets of projects that New York agencies deal with um, you know trumps anything we can't see here yeah and so I stayed there for two years and that was a great experience because I learned everything about e-commerce I need to learn um, and made a lot of great friends and uh, still friends to this day and then I decided well you know 
I'm not going to be in New York forever, and I want to again have this another experience of working for a bigger agency. So I applied to um, uh, Round Arch, which um, got acquired by Asaba when I was there, and uh, yeah, went into working on these big projects, which kind of introduced me to kind of digital transformation projects. But um, that was great because they're just working on you know, ridiculous um, budgets. So, so describe. You, you talk about digital transformation. Yeah. When we've spoken before, yeah. you, you've brought that up quite a lot because I think that's that's what really fires you, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and that's you know particularly with some of the most recent jobs you've done, this whole digital transformation of of maybe companies that weren't really ready or weren't didn't really know what the digital system looked <coughs> like or. Yeah, I think, well, it's, digital transformation is a tough one because it's not just a matter of going in and doing a website for a company. Um, you know, anyone can do that. It's actually a matter of going in there and helping them literally transform their business and how they do business using digital. And that often means there's quite a lot of people that have to change their, their jobs or change their titles. And yep. there's a lot of politics that suddenly kicks off, you know, like everyone's like, oh, they're coming into. Fire, fire us all you know it's going to be only two people here that needed to run our company oh, rather really? than the 60 you know um, but that's not the case at all because there's all these other jobs appear right yeah of course and it's just more about you know digital age everyone has to be um, flexible and scalable with their career now agile yeah agile exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think you know you, you find that resistance in the US and you find that resistance here mm. I think but the US is just a bit more aggressive or New York is a bit more aggressive and bolder to take those steps to, to change because they don't change in New York you're going to sink real quick yep. yeah. whereas in Australia it's kind of like yeah look you know that's cool like we'll, we'll bring you on and we'll kind of cruise for a while and then we'll change and then we'll see how that goes you know so it's kind of like they want to have this digital transformation kick off but then the commitment to actually see it through sometimes is lacking. Um, so it, I think that's also where like UX and service design comes in mm. really importantly to help the company change the way they do business, um, to help them identify how they can make more money through digital or um, streamline their processes um, rather than having you know all these sign-off points. Like, you know, do you need all the sign-off points now? Yep. You just have one sign-off point. Um, any business that has to survive these days has to be digitally savvy and, and aggressive. Like you're not competing within Australia anymore; you're competing against the world. Yeah, mm. and you need to really be super focused on that. Um, that's that's your that's your market is the world now. Um, and I kind of like you know, and that's kind of frustration I see with Australian government still is quite in, introspective. Oh, yeah. Instead of thinking about, you know, um, well, you don't need that, you know. Um, but, yeah, of course you do. Um, <laughs> I saw, I saw it, was, it was interesting. I saw Bill Clinton on uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. Mm. And he was raging about how U.S. has really poor Internet in some areas compared to South Korea. He goes, we invented the Internet. You know, why don't we have, like, the yeah. fastest internet yeah. here? Like, you know, why can't mum and pa in Iowa create their own business and be totally self-sufficient of their website? Yeah. You know, why do they still have, you know, dial-up mm. or just really poor connection? And I was like, it's so right. Like, you know, and it's kind of feel the same way here. Like, But, but their internet is <coughs> way better than... Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Like, my, my fiancé, she went across to Ohio recently 
and you know like a little town in Ohio and she was like staying at a like not a travel lodge kind of place and she said the internet there was like 10 times faster than what we got in Sydney yeah Yeah. I was like yeah crazy and uh, yeah a guy I work with went across to the UK recently and he said that he put his laptop down the kitchen went to download some files which he said would take a few hours so he went through made a cup of tea and he said bing 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 (laughs) like they're all downloaded I have that issue when I'm dealing with um, like some of the Creative Mornings people in the, in the States. They're like, oh, just upload the video and you know, put it on Dropbox yeah. and send it over yeah, yeah, yeah. and we'll make some edits and we'll send it back. Mm. To help us out with editing or something. And yeah. I'm like, it's going to take me three days. <laughs> yeah. By the time I upload it here, it gets to you, you download it or whatever. And they're like, oh, it'll only take a couple of minutes. Yeah. But it's a different planet. And it's crazy because the whole, I mean, that whole NBN thing, I know a few people who are on the NBN now and they say it's amazing. Yeah. It's just like, you know, that was, it was kind of all of Australia, and now it's right. like... But how much resistance Australia. was there? Oh, I know. Like, you know, it's just like, you, you know, this is like, this is 21st century people. Like, mm-hmm. we have to get into this, we have to compete. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's ammunition for the fight, like, if if you want to consider Cause it a fight. Because it's, it's a whole, like, I, what I was saying before as well, that um, my computer ran out of space this morning. Right. And it was mm-hmm. like I had a gig left. And I was kind of like, ugh. And it, and I spoke to someone. I was speaking to someone um, in Sweden, mm. and and they were like, it should just be all on the cloud, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. it right. just takes too long to, do, to uh, upload or download. That was funny. Yeah. I was actually reading a friend's um, Facebook post today. Just you know, he was you know comparing Apple Music with Spotify. Right. And he was just talking about like how everything was on the cloud for him. You know, and I was just like, oh, I wish everything was on the yeah. cloud for yeah. me, you know. Um, yeah. And he was complaining about Apple's cloud being the slowest of the lot, which is quite interesting. Right. You know, Dropbox is super fast and all these other ones as well. Mm. Spotify's great. Like, you don't really notice any stuttering even. Oh, no, no, Spotify's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It seems like they dropped the ball. It was like, I think Business Insider had like a, a chart, yeah. which was like, you know, what Apple provides and what Spotify provides, yes or no's. And, uh, yeah, Spotify was like, came up on top for me anyway. It's, it's just right. it's because you have to, you can still share your playlists with your friends, whereas yeah. Apple, you can't. Really? So it's just like, wow, that's just, oh, wow. That's, that's just a natural social, step social that you've missed out on. Yeah. Like, you know, why can't you share it with your friends? But there's there's going to be exclusives, isn't there? Because, like, no, not that I listened to Taylor Swift. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, oh, yeah. that's how, that's how the, the report ended, was, um, can you get the latest Taylor Swift? Right. Uh, and uh, Apple, yes. Spotify, no. Mm. I was like, that's why I want to stay with Spotify. <laughs> you love Tay-Tay. <laughs> she is Tay-Tay. wonderful. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's what the kids say, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They, they did a um, user onboarding thing as well. Um, you know that guy who does the user, like, how whatever onboards users uh-huh. and it steps through like the language they right, use right, and everything right. have you seen this before? no I'll send it to you it's, it's really cool is, it, is that the article you sent me? because yep. you sent me everything yeah because that was amazing cause yeah was he's awesome he does it for everything just taking step by step and just really pointing out and it was really highlighted like what just really bad and some menus went into that did different things once you're in there compared to other menus yeah like for example there was one that said you could go to mine it's like we've got this new thing do you want to try the new thing and it was try the new thing or cancel it's like, well, oh, cancel, that's, that's pretty negative. I don't really want to press cancel. <laughs> language language is so important. Like, yeah, well, know, one of the points like, were about that's, language, yeah. yeah, like with uh, user testing and, you know, we discover so much with language. Like mm. what, what works best at 
you know, for certain functions versus other functions. We, we've had that in like a couple of um, you know design work that we've seen yeah. together as mm. well, like how how much language plays a part and how much it's a new skill for so many designers. I think that yeah. that we see right. Yeah, you know, they sort of kind of stumble on the language part and don't understand how important it is. You know, to convince the user to get through. Yeah, that. it's more like you know. Um, friendly instructional language works so much better than something that's quite utility based mm, right. so for example like info um, versus find out more yeah you know so it's, it's just kind of like well of course I'd like to find out more you know mm. or info and I'm just going to find yeah. like a horrible screen of information that <laughs> I have yeah. to yeah, divulge but is it regional like is language regional especially when you're talking like you were talking about businesses have to think about the world mm. now Mm. doesn't that just make it but but you can do that so you know with um, the CMS is available now you can change the language and tone of voice based on where you are so mm. when I was working on Tourism Australia that was one of the biggest challenges we had was that you had um, about 20 languages that we had to think about mm. and you know and that message how that message gets communicated to the, that audience is really important and also what that audience is interested in Mm. So, like, the the homepage for Tourism Australia, in theory, can change based on where you are in the world, based on what um, Tourism Australia knows uh, interests that, that uh, target market. So um, people in China are more interested in shopping than they are in great outdoor spaces, mm. um, which was very interesting. Like, there was one really cool fact about... Um, Chinese people hate to see um, photos where there's no one in it because like, oh, they really? feel like they're going to get lost and it's like why would I go there to wow. get like lost and I'm going to die in the outback <laughs> whereas Americans and British love to see this big uh, open landscape where yeah. it's theirs to explore they could get lost right yeah, yeah. I think wasn't that a Tourism Australia thing slogan like get lost <laughs> that, that was for the yeah. English yeah. market uh-huh. right? so, yeah yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. That's yeah, because it's, it's, I, I know there was um, friends of mine who have worked on Tourism Australia more in the advertising mm. side of things. Have always talked about yeah that you have to. There's a number of different kind of campaigns you do for different parts of the right. world. Right, right. And um, that was like the platform that we built enabled them to have really um, targeted um, landing pages. So the message could literally change if you were New York versus LA or. Versus Texas. Wow. So if you clicked on that banner, which you saw on Bloomberg.com, they yep. have like a banner advertising Australia, you know, fly with Virgin to Australia. Depending on where you click it, that whole message changes. So it'd be like LA will be like, arrive here tomorrow morning for breakfast. Right. Whereas if you're in New York, it's like, you know, this weekend you can spend the day at the beach. So you're so designing kind for of like every single one of those those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really important because I think that's where, you know, um, that's where the future is. Like you have to have that retargeted message. It, like, you know, Facebook, your whole feed is based off your interactivity. Like mm. if we pass our phones around right now, our news feeds will be completely different to each other. Mm. And it's all just based on what we've been liking and, and who we've been interacting with. I've got like, what, hundreds of friends on Facebook but I probably only see about 30 friends at a time mm. almost daily yeah mm. and Facebook is just really personalized with that so that's the smarts of their system that does that and you have the CMSs that are coming out now that are angled like that as well mm. is, it, is there a threat though that will miss out stuff 
Um, well, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it's a kind of that um, conundrum of personalization. Mm. Um, how do you discover new things when everything's kind of tailored towards your interests? You know, how do you discover new interests? Yeah, because you can't turn it off, right? Right. Like, the only way to do that, like Facebook... Start a new account? Yeah, or, you know, have an incognito window and a VPN right. or something. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know... They probably still even know. Yeah, they probably know. They probably just can't <laughs> show you that they know. Yeah. I find it interesting every now and then I'll leave my VPN on and um, I'll get American ads. Mm. I was talking about this with someone else the other day. It's hilarious. Mm. It's amazing how, for me, the, ad, the ads just seem so, like, American. Yeah. Like... Mm-hmm. kind of like a character caricature of itself American yeah. as well yeah. which is great because it's obviously for the general masses because they don't know who I am yeah yeah but I think it's also American brands poking fun at themselves now not taking themselves too seriously right um, which is you know um, off-putting <laughs> one, one of, yeah one of the best ones is Geico um, which is an insurance brand mm. you know their ads are just hilarious and they like, kind of like play on the whole um, trivial nature of in- insurance mm. And it's like, you know, as a kind of brand that you kind of fall in love with through the ads. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's a good, good strategy there. <laughs> cool. On, the, on that note, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, so this has been Australian Design Radio. Thanks for listening. And so, Rich, if people wanted to get in touch with you um, after the show, where can they find you? Like on Twitter and Instagram and stuff? Yeah, um, richarddavy.com. D-A-V-Y as in navy or gravy. <laughs> Um, and my Twitter handle is Red Afro, which was my business name in uh, the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a red afro? I used to have a red afro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old now. I'm losing my hair. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and Matt, where can people find you? Uh, Leechworth on Twitter. Yeah, cool. And uh, at Flynn Tracy for me. So you can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AOS Design Radio. Um, if you have any suggestions for topics or guests or just have questions you'd like to ask the show or just want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at matt or flynn at ausdesignradio.com. Until then, thanks for listening. See you guys. Thank you. Bye.